you know, this is us taps into that beautiful, messy middle of brokenness with restoration, um, tragedy sometimes, uh, which is just part of life that we can all relate to. But then there being a greater hope and there being something um, really important about family and about the family unit and about restoration happening in families. And it's never too late for restoration to happen. Um, I think it hits on those themes so beautifully. Welcome to Listener. I'm your host, Sam Holland. Today on the program, we're speaking with Dave Robbins, the new CEO of Family Life. Is there someone you'd like to hear interviewed on Listener? Email me at samanthaholland at crew.org. Enjoy the show. Thanks so much for being here. I was just thinking back to one of the first times I met you. I think it was in Colorado for staff conference. And I found out that you had gone to new staff training with my husband, Darren, and he was telling me all about your dancing skills. So, and then I I learned this is something you're known for is your dancing skills. So I always associate you with being a great dancer. Is that something you still keep up today? Uh, you know, I pull it out as a wild card because it is quite unexpected and, uh, it is the wild card play sometimes, but only comes out at special occasions now. So, mm-hmm. and now all of family well, life knows that that's great. Yes. They need to know that. Well, I saw, did, was Mim doing ballet in New York city? Yeah, she was, she was. So How she, iconic she loves is that. that? Yeah. She loved it. That's awesome. she, she had one last nut. The reason we moved later than we started December 1st at Family Life. And the reason the family didn't move until a little bit later was that she had one last nutcracker performance. So we finished school oh, and one, wow. one last nutcracker. Yeah. So you passed the genes on to at least one of your children. She's a lot more graceful than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Well, Dave, I would love if you could just tell us... Um, well, describe for us what your ministry with crew has looked like up to this point. Yeah, well, Meg and I, my wife, Meg, um, we joined staff. I joined in um, 2000. She did in 2002. And we've had a familiar staff journey for lots of people on staff. Where We started with the campus ministry. We got the privilege of being able to serve at our alma mater um, first at the University of Mississippi. And then we, part of our student journey was our love for going to our partnership campus overseas. So we did a stint year together and led a stint team in Pisa, Italy. And then that turned into us joining ICS and really um, committing to wanting to raise up indigenous people in the country of Italy to take over the ministry someday. And it's fun to see staff now uh, joining, uh, Italians joining in Italy. Um, We thought we would be there for much longer than we were. God had a unique plan and designed to bring us back sooner than we thought. And that journey took us to the University of Georgia. And we were MTLs there. That's where we started our family. God knew what he was doing. Our first child was born there. He had cystic fibrosis. And really, God began to really get into a bunch of my own idolatry around ministry and the mission being before uh, the covenant relationships he's given me in my life. And so um, God did such amazing heart work and and the team that we had there that journeyed with this uh, in that season was such a significant team and so grateful for them. And uh, so God did a lot of formative work and we kept growing and that led us to end up becoming a a national director of field ministry for the Southeast region. We moved to Atlanta. And then after that, after living in suburban Atlanta, God began to bubble up this desire to 
go, you know what, we can lead organizationally down the road someday. Let's go back to the field. What in the world would that be? Let's go somewhere that'll push us and uh, help us learn perspectives that we don't currently know. And we wanted to, we'd gotten a taste of an urban, of, of urban living in Italy. And we, we really thrived in that secular environment. And Italy was really a postmodern environment. Uh, New York is a little more secular. And uh, it, that's where New York landed. And so we started to, and we shifted over to city to be, join the Crew City ministry and the new space that was forming there around millennials. So exciting. Well, how did the decision to become director of family life come about? It certainly came out of nowhere, that's for sure. And uh, it was about, yeah, it was the beginning of 2017 that Steve Sellers, we were in Orlando for some meetings, and he said, hey, I hear you're in town. Can, can I come over and chat? And he just said, would you consider throwing your name in, in the hat and, and being a part of a process of, of a lot of different candidates going through? And so we had really just doubled down in New York. Our son, oldest son had just started middle school and we had said, all right, are we down for middle school in New York City? Yes, we are. Here we go. And uh, it was just in this moment, it just had to be from the spirit. Both of us kind of looked at each other and go, you know, let's just do it for our own growth and just to really enter a process and, and see what God wants to teach us in this process. As we started doing that, we began to realize how much ministering to marriages and families had become central to what we were doing, um, and specifically in New York. Um, our own personal passage, passion for marriages and family really comes from certainly millennials who were, they're getting married later, but they were starting to get, get married. And um, we were doing a lot of pre-marriage counseling with the millennials, and that's, uh, there's some new fun things in, in, in doing that with millennials. But also personally, it was just out of our own personal life, we saw in this secular environment where at our public school of 800 people, there were, we only knew three or four other Christian families in that school. And, uh, but we saw consistently how they may not come to church with us, our, our kids, friends, parents, but they would uh, come to our kitchen table or our living room couch and they would open up about challenges around parenting or around their marriage. And we just saw time and time again how the gospel, one of the easiest ways to, to talk about the gospel in this day and age, um, when so much of the world is, is kind of pushes against a Christian worldview, marriage is still considered sacred in some way. And a Christian perspective is often listened to, or at least um, people respect it and want thoughts on it and want to hear a Christian talk about it. And um, raising kids, everyone gets to the point where they, they say, I am, I am not sufficiently good, wise, or gifted enough to make parenting work, and I don't know where to turn, and I need help. And, and the, the, obviously, uh, the way God relates to us, to us as a father, um, as we can pass that on to our children, um, there's a lot of opportunities for the gospel there. So you mentioned really thriving when you were overseas on stint in Italy in a secular environment and how that led you in part towards ministry in New York City. How has it been transitioning from the city ministry, literally in the city, to the family life ministry? You've left the city for Little Rock and... How do you think your time in New York City shaped the way you'll lead family life? Yeah, well, we were we we were thriving in New York. We loved it, and you know, to f- finish up on that other question is God really called us. He made it clear, and we wanted this clarion, loud voice moment 
And really, we he kept nudging us at a shepherd. We were about to opt out of the process multiple times, just going, we're not qualified. You need to come live with us for two weeks before you would offer us this job and um, make sure you know us really well. And But um, that was precisely what was wanted, was someone that integrated the gospel in every part of life, um, which, you know, as we join the Family Life team, we see that the team here does that in such significant ways. But God called us to it, so that was one of the reasons that we were willing to go, okay, he has made this clear, certainly through nudging, not through this loud voice, but as it got toward the end of the process, it was so clear that he, he was, he's inviting us into this and he wants us to join in with it. And so as we have been here, um, certainly it is very different. Certainly we have jumped back into suburbia and um, we miss some of the more natural communal moments. I think that's one of the things we miss, but that's causing us to think about how can we be intentional. But in the way that it's shaped our thinking, um, our, we can never trade in New York uh, the amazing opportunity to get to be around so much diversity and so many different veins of thought and worldviews and to be able to know how to engage with people um, beyond those initial conversations about the gospel where you go, I, I may be one of the more trained people on the planet when it comes to evangelism and discipleship, um, when you take the context of the whole world, but I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to keep engaging this person with the gospel or this young believer whose fruit's really still not showing up. And, and it taught us how to continue to engage and continue to listen, continue to empathetically journey together with people wherever they are, um, to not have a hidden agenda, but continue to integrate the gospel in real ways into their lives. And so as we come into this role, I think that's what we desire to do most is um, we stand on such an amazing legacy and foundation uh, that of all the things and the core offerings that family life has, and how do we continue to integrate that in a very holistic way into, into all different people's types of lives. And so right now, our offerings certainly have a core audience, and we're going to continue to sustain those and do those really well and continue to hone in and, and do them well. Yet, how can we constantly think about the missionary zeal that we have in the crew DNA and why family life was created in order to keep thinking about audiences that aren't stepping foot into a church or are very hesitant to. We have the opportunity. Um, people long for their marriage to be great. People long for their kids to grow up and to, and to you know, be contributors to a society and have character and integrity. And, that, and that, those desires really come for the way God created it when he created the covenant when he created man and woman to be designed to be together, when he created legacy of generation after generation, passing down um, the ways of the Lord, you know, Psalm 145, and um, commending to the next generation who he is. So, um, yeah, that's it's shaped us in thinking about all the different audiences out there, how they receive what we're saying, and, um, and continuing not to adapt the truth, but to be relentless in going with that missionary zeal um, of our DNA, how do we continue to, through the, the family and through marriages, which is such an intimate part of life, continue to proclaim the gospel, integrate the gospel, and disciple people? Were you in the Millennial Gate for City in your City? Yes, we sure were. Okay, so it sounds like God really started you out on campus in the campus ministry. You moved to New York City and you served with the millennial gate. So, and you described these millennials getting married and coming and maybe not wanting to go to church with you, but being more than willing to come to your house, your apartment, sit on yeah. your couch. Um, 
and now perhaps you're moving on to the next phase of life where these young millennials will be starting their families. Mm-hmm. So, and you said that people long for their marriage to be great. I recently learned that family life on Facebook has some of the most likes of any crew ministries. And I was wondering yeah. why that would be the case. Do you think it's, it's for that reason or other reasons? People are longing for their marriage and their families to be great. Well, I think it's not only their greatest desire, um, if you are married, that you stay married. I think most people enter marriage with that desire and for it to continue to grow. And then when they think about their kids, certainly um, we brought... Um, a couple were uh, to a weekend to remember before we moved. We went to a weekend to remember in New Jersey and we brought a couple where she had come to Christ with Meg two years ago. Um, uh, she was a friend at our school's mom um, and he was an unbeliever still. And the talk that meant the most to him was the legacy talk. They have one child and the last talk is one on leaving a legacy generation after generation and uh, one of the great values of having a solid marriage and having oneness in marriage and continuing to cultivate it is to be able to pass that on to the next generation. And, you know, he he was not ready for a lot that came at him that that weekend. And, and we had some really fun conversations in during his smoke breaks in the parking lot between sessions. <laughs> um, but what he said on that last smoke break, he goes, man, that is why I'm here. And I was willing to come. I mean, I knew I wouldn't agree with everything. I knew that it'd be a little too much for me. Yet I want this for Matthew. I want him to know how to treat a woman. I want him to see him have parents that have a good marriage and a solid marriage. And he, and so I just think, one, it is a desire, but it's also one of the biggest felt needs, and it's some of the biggest pain points people have. And um, so I think that's why people want information and want resources, mm-hmm. want to feel equipped and empowered to make a difference in their own home and in the homes around them, um, is because it's not just a desire, it's also a felt need and a pain point, because we're broken people. I think one of the great things about joining family life is there's a few few guarantees in ministry, but what I can know for sure is that people are broken, marriage is hard, and so people, there will always be opportunities for the gospel to enter in in powerful ways and transform people's lives and transform homes, transform communities, transform generations as a result. I'm glad you brought up the Weekend to Remember conferences. Darren and I have been to one of those. And I heard that early on in your marriage, did you and Meg go to one and it really had an impact on you? Yeah, we went to one our first anniversary. Um, We went to a Weekend to Remember. I remember certainly some of the content. What I really remember was the prompted assignment and doing this assignment on my own. And then on Saturday afternoon, having this conversation, there was really a breakthrough conversation uh, where I'd kind of been holding some things back and some insecurities that were inside of me and just getting those out there. And for Meg, it was like, I didn't know you were feeling this at all. And it was just this freeing moment where this is what the covenant is meant to create is this security and intimacy. And, um, you know, all of us end up kind of hiding in our own corners sometimes and defaulting into old patterns that we have and hiding um, things that are in our hearts. And so that is what I remember about that weekend to remember and the fruit that really came from it and how it really ministered to us on down the line and really helped our marriage a ton. So when I think of family life, that's automatically what I think of, Dave, is weekend to remember conferences and other marriage resources. 
What else is family life today? And what do you think family life's top priorities are maybe in the next year or two? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think centrally and at a philosophical way, we are about helping people um, fall in love with their first love more, that they would get know God and know him in very intimate ways and increasing ways. And everything we do points people to knowing him and knowing him better. And out of that, we're able to love the love, the love of your wife. I mean, the love of your life better. Um, for me, that means a wife, but, um, (laughs) yeah, that we love create, helping create oneness within couples and and the covenant getting stronger and in relationships. And as a result of that first love and the love of your life growing stronger, when that happens, you cannot help but tell other people about the things that you love. And so we want, you know, people mobilized, uh, people discipling other marriages and investing in other marriages around them. And so with that being the grid of the heart of what we do, um, you won't find that on a website anywhere, but that in essence is our heart, um, really is that wind, build, send nature of what we do. Certainly there is the Weekend of Remembers, which is our core offering. offering. It's where we started. Um, it actually, most people on staff now don't know um, that family life began as a marriage emphasis, a relationship emphasis, really, it was to two conferences a year for singles on staff. Um, to what was happening is so many couples were getting joining staff. It was when crew was blowing up and, and so many people were joining all these singles where you get Christian singles together and a lot of marriages were happening and crew was growing. So they were sending people out to all these different places and uh, marriages were struggling. And so it was one of those, how do we minister to the people that, you know, we're sending out on mission. And so they said, well, it's good to help marriages, but let's even start before that. And let's start with singles and what is grids of relationship and whatnot. So that developed into marriage conferences also, which developed into non-staff joining in, getting snuck in the doors. Actually, it was required that just staff could, could be there, but (laughs) they were, they were people, staff people were sneaking in their, their non-staff friends. And then that led to the weekend to remember, which is, you know, what type of conference, has been around for 40 years and continue to be relevant and uh, ballrooms are filled and, you know, nine out of 10 on surveys that are filled out on, on excellent score. So uh, it's, it is a core offering that we have and something that's really exciting. So we offer different ways to get away. That would be how I categorize that. There's also a cruise. There's other things that we do. We can remember certainly the core way thing that we offer in getting away. There's um, radio, which is a lot of what people know Family Life for, where Dennis and Bob have been on the radio for 25 years, um, and it's an incredible platform to steward, and really that is a way I think Family Life has journeyed uh, alongside people. Um, I, you know, Dennis and Bob and I, um, Bob Lapine and I were, were traveling a lot in November together, and it was fascinating and, and, and th- really amazing to watch people come up to them and go, you helped me raise my kids from infant to 18. Thank you so much for being part of my story. And uh, so radio and the influence that radio and really audio can have in the future is a huge thing that we offer. And then biblical, authentic um, resources, and whether that's small group um, resources, and, you know, there's a new one coming out um, soon called Art of Parenting. Um, whether that's books, uh, Family Life has been a very credible, um, biblically based, authentic resources that are out there. As I think about the future, um, certainly we will continue to grow and adapt and sustain uh, those core offerings that we have. But um, 
you know, as I think about the next generation, um, a lot of where my mind goes is how do we collaborate with crew and with church entities and with other marriage and family entities to really be a create more platforms of resources and platforms for engagement and really do whatever we can to journey with people. Certainly that's a part of transforming them to know Jesus and to have a great marriage, but to be mobilized, to go minister to people that wouldn't walk into a weekend to remember um, and wouldn't walk into a church. And so that is, I think, as the future continues and uh, more and more people classify themselves as nuns and not relating to any religious um, identity. Um, I think it's really important that we we keep focusing. It's it's part of our DNA, um, but yet I think we double down and really get creative around how do we equip people to be mobilized to make a difference in their own home and in the homes around them. And so making disciples, I think, will be core about what we do in the future. And um, yeah, we don't want to just minister to people. We want to minister to so that they are empowered to minister uh, themselves. And, and that will be a huge part of what we do coming down the future because I think the next generations, um, and there's you know, research to back this up, there's just more reluctance to, to trust an institution, certainly a religious institution. There's, there's more reluctance and trust to, you know, certainly it's going to be by people inviting them to come into a comp ballroom like a weekend to remember, but they will spill their hearts. They're so, you know, the next generations are so authentic, um, willing to be vulnerable with people that they trust. And so what happens in a living room, what happens at a dining room table is going to be vitally important. And we want to help resource that to happen. One thing you mentioned was how millennials are getting married later and thereby starting families later. Mm -hmm. And it just made me think about, you know, the definition of what is a family and what does a family need and how much that can vary across our country. I think about, yeah. um, you know, around Thanksgiving, a lot of our friends do who aren't in close proximity to their extended family will do Friendsgiving. To them, their Absolutely. friend network is their family. It's their I second about, family, yeah. Right. More and more um, single parent families, either by choice or divorce or other circumstances. Um, even I have friends who don't have children, either because mm -hmm. they can't or they've chosen not to or they're single and they don't want to be a single parent, but they have nieces and nephews who are like children to them. And so I just see this changing landscape of what a family mm -hmm. is today, and I wonder how what your thoughts are in that arena and how family life's goals as a ministry adapt or how they, mm -hmm. what core things stay the same. Yeah. Well, we got to see this firsthand in New York. I mean, how many friends we've, we've gone to more friendsgivings in the last five years than we had ever heard <laughs> of the term. Um, and I, you know, even church's family, we, it's this, the, you mentioned a lot of, of the secular reality of the brokenness of family in our society and where that can lead and just is where people find themselves. And that's just okay. You know, it, it's where they are and, it, and it's not meant to change that. Um, and in the same way, church's family in a more spiritual way, I think is, is some, a conversation that's been happening and, and that people really embrace. Um, for, for family life, I think there is a, a, a core audience that we've been called to and that are, that is, uh, people, um, marriage is always going to be one of our first plays of whether that's people cohabitating and we create um, 
you know, instead of fighting the culture war, we actually help shape culture and create culture about why, how, why the covenant is so beautiful. And maybe we journey with them and, and help them see the benefits of, oh man, the, the trust and the security and the uh, beauty of the covenant that God has created. Uh, you know, being able to shape culture in winsome ways um, around that, that'll, that'll be part of what we have to do. I mean, it's, there's, Plenty of research right out there now that millennials view cohabitating as an equal option to marriage and having kids together. And, and that's that's just where it is. And so instead of chafing and fighting against it, which we don't I don't love that concept, you know, obviously. But how do we actually help paint a vision and and shape culture, not just fight culture in order to journey with people toward um, you know, a way God designed it and the beauty of the covenant that he's created. Um, so I think that those will be types of conversations because I think there'll be more people showing up in ballrooms at Weekend Remembers that uh, want to have great relationships, but yet, um, you know, how do we journey alongside them toward marriage and a covenant um, would be a great thing. And then you get outside of that non-traditional families, which we have to um, care about, look at, um, and be a part of. And so blended families is something we actually do a great job of. And a lot of people don't know about, we have one of the, one of the few blended family experts in the nation here, um, at family life and Ron deal. And, um, you know, how do we integrate him into more about what we do? Because so many, you know, 40% of families are blended now and, um, and that's only going to increase. And then I think it's, I'm, you know, I'm forgetting the exact stat of how many people are connected to a blended family um, when you think about nieces, nephews, parents, et cetera. So, um, so it, I'm getting flashed a stat, but I couldn't read it. So 62% are connected to a blended family in some way. And so, um, yeah, I, it's, it's one of those opportunities that we have in order to continue to not be so disgusted with where culture is going, but actually enter into and offer the light of Jesus and, um, and be able to cast a vision for the beauty of the way, of way God designed it. And, you know, we want to come alongside single moms That's, I, and, and even singleness. How do we create robust theology around singleness and family life, uh, be a part of that conversation in some ways in order to honor um, you know, this doesn't always happen at 25 for everybody by choice or by desire or lack of desire. You know, some people would love to be married, but aren't. And so that those we, you know, we have key people in our lives and in our family that are in essence, aunts um, and uncles to our children who um, are still single, have a desire to be married, but are an integral part of our family and shaping our kids. And so I think we will have focus and, and I, and there's a rich history of family life focused on marriages. And that is certainly, we can't be everything to everybody. Yet as the next generations come along, we have to be in that conversation and not just absent from it and in a way that's deafening and that doesn't relate to where people find themselves. I'm so glad you brought up singles. That was my next question. And what made me think about it is when you mentioned that family life Maybe it wasn't family life at that point, but crew used to have singles conferences as was that's it how family a, life started. Yeah. Okay. So a couple questions. Do you think that singles conferences would be a value today to the singles in and out of our ministry? And also 
Just expand on what you were saying about how can family life enter in with singles? I know I have a staff friend, for instance, who's single and she's trying to figure out how to build relationships, not with just individuals, but with their families. Mm-hmm. And that's a value to her to, um, I guess, how does, a yeah, how does, how is specifically family life thinking about entering in with singles? What is their sense of family from what you've gathered? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're 50 days in on the job, so, uh, there's, <laughs> there's lack of some, a little bit of lack of context, but it's not an ignored thing. Um, we sent, uh, two to staff to two different winter conferences this year and, um, Rob Hudson, and you could probably find it on the Dallas Winter Conference uh, website, did a seminar on singleness. And we have, as people are delaying marriage, and that is a stat we cannot ignore, how do we actually have a robust view of what relationships are all about? And how do we speak into that space so that as they get to become married, we have, we're not this unknown entity to them that has made no sense to them um, for decades of their, you know, being an adult. So, um, I think that's one of the more strategic reasons why, but there's also just the, um, it's, it's part of family structure. And so again, we will have our focus. And I think you have four decades of focus around marriage and that, and you know, each niche ministry has to have their, what they're really focused on yet. If we care about marriages in the future, um, people are delaying marriage, people are cohabitating instead of marriage. And so entering that conversation and, and really, uh, is, is a very meaningful thing and something we will have to do. So the reality is that singles might never be married. Yeah. Paul is, makes a great case for that, by the way, in the Bible. He does. And that, yeah, yeah. He does. Is there a place for a single who might never be married, might never desire to be married, or that Mm -hmm. just might not be God's plan for them? Is there a place where family life can enter in Mm -hmm. there? Well, I think a lot of it is, you know, Psalm 145, um, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on the wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak all they shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall, the next generation shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. And, um, you know, I think in the way that we are more local and communal as, uh, you know, America has been so individual, individualistic and, um, that I think the next generations are pushing against that a good bit and are wanting to be local and are desiring to be communal. And so, you know, our fourth child is named after, all of our children are named after family. And our fourth child is named after someone who is family, who is not a blood relative of ours, but has been a dear friend who happens to be a fellow staff, was a fellow staff person at some time. And, um, and it just speaks to what you're saying, is that everyone can play a part in, in shaping the next generation. And uh, I don't know what we would do without her in our lives. I mean, she, she's such an integral part of shaping our kids and their future and what their view of God is. Um, yet she's not a blood relative. And certainly our blood relatives have a ton of influence in our kids' lives also. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's, there's really significant ways. And we've benefited from that personally. 
Do you feel like you can share who that is and what your fourth child, what your yeah. fourth child's name is? Well, <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, good, uh, yeah, good old Michelle McDonald. Um, okay. She is a dear friend. We we led with her when she was on staff at the University of Georgia, um, and we were there. And so she she watches have some of our first kids. She actually moved to New York first, joined staff with New York in the New York campus ministry. She's gone on and since gone to Columbia and, and now is a guidance counselor. But um, yeah, our fourth child is named uh, Mac after his full name is McDonald and he's named Mac. So awesome. And what an honor for Michelle. Mm-hmm. Dave, as you look forward, I know you said you're only 50 days in and there's tons of grace for you. What challenge are you most excited about as you take on this role or what obstacles are you just trusting God to help you overcome as you lead family life in this new season? Yeah. Well, I mean, challenge, you obviously have one of the biggest challenges of replacing um, a founder who is just a phenomenal man, full of character. Dennis and Barbara Rainey um, have, have laid such an amazing foundation, and um, God has used them in such significant ways. And really, I, we've had the benefit over the last six months to have phone calls every Wednesday morning, and they, they have just done a phenomenal way, job of mentoring us into what exists already and really um, since we've arrived, uh, wanting to help only in the ways that he wants. He's just done a phenomenal job. I've seen his character integrity on display, and uh, we're so grateful for them. And so, I, you know, the, one of the biggest challenges is feeling in, you know, people often ask, filling in the shoes, what does that feel like? And, you know, it's just one of those realities of, I will never be able to fill Dennis Rainey's shoes. I've taken a role, not his shoes. And um, <laughs> so how do we build a team of contributors um, and voices, not, not just, all right, David, you're the next... Dennis Rainey, and it's going to look exactly the same. And so I think that's one of the biggest opportunities and challenges is that you're replacing a four-decade founder. What does that look like? And and for me, that's been most of my first 50 days, um, building trust with our executive leadership team and really getting to know each other and, and really getting under the rock of where where do we want this thing to be in 2025? Um, and having you know robust conversations about that, which has been really exciting. Um, really getting to know everyone in the building and doing tons of town halls and focus groups in order to learn what the themes are and what the internal needs and desires are. And, um, and so that, that's just been a blast. I mean, that's been 50 days of work, certainly, and, and doing different spokesperson role stuff. But I think the opportunity that we have, certainly when you look at our core offerings, um, you know, the weekend to remember is a great model for us, I think, potentially, where uh, you got to a point where there people were there was such a demand for weekend remembers that a few couples, Dennis and Barbara and a few other couples couldn't handle it all. So about 25 years ago, they began to expand the speaker team in order to diversify, you know, multi-generational, multi-ethnic, um, different parts of the country. And so you have this, I was just with them a month ago, and you have this phenomenal room of people that really are the voices of family life when you go to a Weekend Remember. No one goes to Weekend Remember, uh, no uh, you know, attendee, knowing who the speaker is going to be. Um, it's not this celebrity following. Uh, you, you go and you, you know you're going to get relevant biblical content that's actually going to make you have great conversations with your spouse. That's what people always talk about being their favorite thing. Um, but that, that scaled family life, we can remember is in a unique way. And I think in the same way, it'll look different and we'll, and we'll have to figure it out. But I think it's the, one of the biggest opportunities of how do we scale the number of voices that family life is able to, to platform and whether that's urban voices or women's voices and, 
um, wise sage voices and, you know, someone caught in the middle journeying alongside people voices like I am because I have a young family and, and Meg and I are. So how do you diversify the voices, I think, is one of the coolest opportunities that we have. But we have to do that right and wise and, and consider constituents we already have to not shock them. And, but that, I think it's a really neat opportunity. Dave, I know that Meg is always really involved with what you're doing, whatever your role is. Mm -hmm. I wonder, does she have a specific role leading alongside you or what other women are kind of speaking into the direction for family life in the future? Yeah, that's a great question. So Meg, what's great is Barbara has, uh, Barbara Rainey has done a phenomenal job really being integral in uh, family life. It, It was I mean, certainly she put a priority on raising her kids, but yet she was always part of the journey, certainly part of it. And then um, as she has had with being empty nest for really decades, she has really invested a ton of time. And um, and so she's created a great model um, for Meg. She certainly we only do things if we can do them as a team. You know, that's one of our core values in life. And when we kind of get away from that, we quickly self-correct. And we've had to do that a few times in our own journey. Um so yeah, Meg, uh, we love doing this thing together and being able to um, minister to people together. And, and particularly as we minister to man and wife couples, we love ministering together as a couple. Um, but yeah, when you we have an HR uh, director who uh, Dee she is a woman who um, I, it, it's been so fun to get to know her in the interview process. I never. Uh, had that much time with her. And then I remember we had our first sit down where I wanted a download of where she thought um, we were as family life internally. And, and, and she began to lay out this strategic plan of five years around diversity and raising up different voices. And, and it was just this gorgeous thing. So it was, I didn't know where we were on that um, exactly. And then you have Dee Dee um, in leadership doing a phenomenal job leading in that way. That's awesome. So when you say a five-year plan involving diversity and things like that, would that be diversity with ethnicity, gender, age? ethnicity, age? gender, yeah, all the above. Okay, all mm-hmm. of it. That's so exciting. I think one of the things Family Wife is self-aware of and not afraid to engage in a conversation with is we know we have been mostly majority culture and we have aged with the founder. And so that's okay. I think all of us... Um, that's as I do town halls, we all know that, and we all know the importance of um, diversifying in every way. And, uh, you know, I think our commitment is to remain biblical, um, to remain, remain authentic. I would even say let's push into vulnerability, not just being authentic. Um, I'll push that. That'll be one of my passions. Um, and, yeah, that we really care about the, the, the end user, not just getting solid content out, but that we really are. Uh, ministering to people where they're at, and and I, th- that's known here, and so it's it's not one of those blind spots, and and I want something they really are already already tackling, and really want to be focused in tackling. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, you mentioned a few specific resources. One, of course, is the weekend to remember marriage conferences. Your radio shows are another resource and way that you're journeying alongside of people. Mm-hmm. You, you can uh, find you that said, on the podcast, on the podcast app, on the Apple okay. podcast app. Oh, yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a podcast, a Family Life podcast app that people could subscribe to, and then they would get all kinds of... There's a Family Life app, which sends that to you, and if mm-hmm. you already use the purple, you know, Apple um, 
subscri- subscription when you can use it also. You can search Great. Family Okay. Life. You mentioned there's a new resource coming out, Art of Parenting. When is that coming yeah. out? So it actually has a rollout of several months, and it's it's probably the most complicated rollout that Family Life has ever done. Great to do in a transi- presidential transition year, but it really is cool, and I'm so grateful for the way uh, it shows how they're thinking forward and wanting to be more digital and not just, you know, what we've always done. And so it's really, really encouraging. So it, it begins, the rollout begins with a movie that's actually in cinemas on, it's a two day event, May 1st and 3rd, the movie's called Like Arrows. And um, <clears throat> they did a partnership with the Kendrick brothers and uh, it actually was not meant to be a movie. It was meant to be 10 minutes before each small group, uh, you know, the video curriculum, there was going to be this consistent journey, kind of this is us style, um, where you journey with a couple through getting married, um, not when they certainly didn't feel like they were ready, uh, having their kid and having a larger family and then growing into their sage years and legacy years. And so you journey with this family and really they got to the end of it and go, you know what? I think it actually works as a movie. And so on May 1st and 3rd, um, it'll be in 800 theaters and the, and that, was, that theater count is going up. Um, every home support, I've kind of looked, if I were to go visit support bases, um, would that movie be showing? And everywhere I've looked, the, the movie's actually already showing. You can get it brought to you if, if that interests you, if someone would like to uh, to bring it to a theater near you. But it's already in 800, and, and pretty much anywhere you, you look, it'll be near you. Um, so that will launch it. And really our desire there is to create conversations about intentional parenting. And then right after that, um, the small group video kit, which is a that's probably the best way to experience art of parenting, um, is with getting with a group of other um, parents and watching this, you know, take six to eight weeks and, and watch it together, have discussion. Uh, that is what Family Life has done best with its resources. And um, I think Family Life, one of the things I've learned about it and I've appreciated about it, um, knowing Family Life, is that they create shared experiences really well. And so that shared experience of watching something and great interaction afterwards uh, of how to be intentional with your kids, um, it's really great and, and, and worth looking at if you have a small group. There'll also the, be, for the first time ever, an online digital experience that'll be a little scaled down and meant for someone to journey through by themselves. Um, but it'll be available May 1st. And um, it, you'll be able to, to go through some of the content that's available in the small group kit uh, for free. And we want to get that the reason we chose that was that we want as many people as possible to be thinking about the next generation and being intentional with their kids. And then in August, there will actually be, we're currently calling an outreach kit, but um, something that truly would be enough of a conversation starter that someone far from God and far from the church, it would be helpful. It would have value. Um, it would have significant value. It would prompt certain conversations. Um, it would be packaged in a way that is a conversation starter and looks cool and is cool. Um, but then from it, it would point people if they want, if they wanted more to the digital online free experience. So it's a rollout like we've never done. Normally it's kind of been the small group kit and an accompanying book. And so this one has a movie and an online free experience and then something that we know that online free may be too much for some. And so how do you actually just have conversations with your neighbors around intentional parenting. So in August will be an outreach kit that could lead toward, if God starts working in their lives, could lead toward that uh, digital online experience or the small group. That was more than you asked for. 
<laughs> well, no, it sounds really exciting. I just loved even in the first part. Did you say that it was partly inspired by the show This Is Us or the format of the movie? Yeah, it is. So you journey with this couple um, mm-hmm. through their lives with a few flashbacks here. Yeah, it's, 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 it's good. Are you familiar with that program, This Is Us? I will never buy a crock pot again. <laughs> I hope that wasn't that a spoiler if you have it. <laughs> that, that reference is lost on me. I've only seen a few episodes of This Is Us. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, never borrow a crock pot. And that's all you need to know. If you, yeah. I, I just know that that show is such a hit right now. And I wondered if you could speak to why, mm. why that is resonating with, um, especially I think people with younger families. Oh, that's a great question. And I love, cause it does hit on, I think you see people's brokenness, um, yet you see brokenness being restored. And then as people are being restored, you see uh, redemption happening and restoration happening with family members that you're estranged from. And it's messy, yet restoration is slowly happening. It's so real life. And then as restoration is happening, people are making a difference in other people's lives. And I think that's what we do with family life. Like we want to engage people to help um, as brokenness surfaces in our marriage, which it certainly will. I mean, just a guarantee. Um, And whether that's you're an unbeliever and you're seeing it for the first time and there's a crisis or you're a believer and God just keeps peeling back layers of sanctification that you didn't know were there. And he's saying, now's the time I'm going to show these things to you Um, as brokenness is revealed to be a part of restoring that. And um, as people are being restored, that they're. They're empowered and equipped to make a difference in their own home and the homes around them. So, I mean, it's 2 Corinthians 5 on display. And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, This Is Us taps into that beautiful, messy middle of brokenness with restoration, um, tragedy sometimes, uh, which is just part of life that we can all relate to. But then there being a greater hope and there being something um, really important about family and about the family unit and about restoration happening in families. And it's never too late for restoration to happen. Um, I think it hits on those themes so beautifully and forgiveness. Well, Dave, one last question, and this is just silly, but did you know that you have the same initials as Dennis Rainey? You know, I do. I do. At first it was DR and DR2. So <laughs> if there's we, any rebranding that needs to be done and they've only used DR, they can just right. carry that through. Just keep Indeed. using it. Indeed. So anyway, what's funny is that I, I don't think I said anything saying I was offended by it, but someone I think felt uncomfortable with it. And I have this nickname throughout life that I keep thinking will go away and it just keeps coming back. So someone heard that it was D-Rob. And so now all of a sudden, all the short form of my name is back to D-Rob. So my nickname sustains, which is kind of fun. (laughs) 